Blog Talk Radio. Listen, for those of you that are going through, for those of us that are waiting on His promise, understand God has not forgotten you. When times get tough, you got to look up to heaven and encourage yourself and say, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, (laughs) what can we say? What can we say? It's going to be an explosion tonight. Yes, sir. It's going to be an explosion. I think, Brian, I think this is the show that you circled on your calendar. (laughs) <laughs> and for those that are listening, if you just hold on, you'll understand why. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can truly say it's been a, it's been a while, but yeah, I've been waiting on this show. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, Brian. We we definitely have someone that's truly blessed, who's been tested, who's gone through the fire. Yes, sir. He's truly, truly qualified. Let me say that again, Brian. She's qualified to talk about the things that we're going to talk about tonight. And Absolutely. I just I just believe that somebody's life will be changed because of her testimony and because of a lot of things that she's going to say. And it's not just her, it's God speaking through her. Absolutely. Well, Greg, you know how I like to start off the show. Um, I want to encourage people that have not already done so and for those who have done so, to continue giving to the efforts in Haiti. You know, uh, the news crews have gone. A lot of the help that had initially gotten to, the, uh, to their country is gone. But the need has not left the people of Haiti. So please, in, in whatever form you decide to give, your prayers, your financial donations, your physical donation, do something for the people of Haiti. But, Greg, we got an awesome show tonight, and tonight's, uh, topic is called Your Soulmate, and we have a very special guest who's not been uh, with us for a while, but she is no stranger to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have with us best-selling author Olivia D. Stith, and, you know, we always have a wonderful time when she comes on, so, you know, we're going to laugh, we're going to have fun, but we're also going to talk about something that is real serious, so I want everybody to, to put your... your um, your mental seat belts on because it's going to be a wild ride. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, Brian, I'm a, I, I, hey, Brian, you go first. You bring her in and you go first. <laughs> well, first we want to welcome her to the show. And, you know, whenever she comes on our show, we just let her do whatever she wants to do because she's got to like that with us. <laughs> we don't have a choice, Brian. We don't have a choice. Well, welcome <laughs> to the show, Miss Olivia D. Stiff. Thank you. I love coming to your show. I love freedom. I love the man that gives me my freedom. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely, you definitely earned it, Libby. You definitely earned it. Yeah, you all my, you know, top. You all top. You all started me off um, interviewing and everything. So uh, you all special. Well, Libby, tell us what have you been doing since the last time we've talked to you. Oh, my goodness. I took, oh, my God. It's like, where can I begin? Well, I took the whole year off just 
getting myself together. It was like I was in Virginia. There was a lot of things going on uh, with my personal life, with my health. Um, I had My health had plummeted. I had gained so much weight. I went to my doctor, and uh, he was like, you have to lose this weight. And I'm like, okay. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not a person that knows how to put down the donut and the bag of potato chips. So um, I'm not going to get like a famous actress and say that I didn't have surgery. I went and I had the gastric bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. And so far I've lost like 100 pounds. So when people see the pictures, it, you know, I had to do it because my doctor was like, if you don't do this, you might as well cut 15 years of your life off. And that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um so um, I, I had the surgery. I went through so much stuff trying to get this second book out. Um, and then I um, had to really deal with the Lord leading me to move to New York City. And that's a whole other show in itself, the transition that I went through from moving to Virginia to New York. That's a whole different story. But, you know, I took some personal time off because, you know, sometimes you have to regroup and get things in perspective. I had to cut off some people. I had to cut off some things. It was just a lot of things that I had to do. And I'm the type of person, before I actually step out in ministry full-fledged, I want to make sure that I got the foundation everything straight. So I kind of was in the back wings. I still was doing a little bit of this and that, but I wasn't actually out in the public eye like I was when I last spoke to you all. Mm-hmm. But now um, I'm back. <laughs> so you uh-huh. had to go back for a season of renewal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that as Christians, I don't care how advanced you are, how spiritual you are, because the time period, uh, personally for me, really, it was like I was burning myself out. Mm-hmm. And which came to what I was telling you, um, Greg, I was telling you which brought up some mental issues that I had to deal with because I, it, it, all this was new to me. You know, I knew about the physical, but as far as the mental, um, I was going through, I was having anxiety attacks. I, I, I wasn't able to breathe. I was, um, I, was, it was, I was going through periods where I couldn't sleep for days, or then I would go through periods that I would sleep and didn't want to get out of bed. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And, you know, am I crazy? Uh, you know, um, they was running tests, you know. So it was, it came to the point um, where the doctor was like, you suffer from an anxiety disorder. I'm like, anxiety disorder. And then he was like, well, anxiety disorder, and you may be bipolar. I'm like, excuse me. So, you know, when they start saying that stuff, the first thing he was like, okay, what evil spirit is in me now? And uh, my sister, I thank God for her, she's a psych nurse. Um, I call her, and she was like, girl, I've been knowing that since you was a child. <laughs> you know, like, I was, and, and the thing is, is um, it's a brain condition. And in in my particular case, everybody's situation is different. When I try to do a lot of things, when I get real anxious, my brain just triggers. It triggers whatever, and I just I, I just go into like a panic attack. Um, I can't breathe, even though I'm breathing, but in my mind I'm not breathing. Um, and, it, you know, I just I was going through that. And then um, I was the type of person that things couldn't get done in a certain time period or, um, you know, I always tried to be the one to try to do 25 things at one time. And it would just get me very stressed out. Um, 
And so I realized that it was a mental, it was some mental issues that I had to deal with with myself. And it started making me realize that in the church, there's not enough focus on mental illnesses in the church. And mental illness to me is one of the main issues that we all have to deal with even going into relationships. So um, I look at myself as a minister. I don't just look at teaching women about how to prepare for a mate. When I say soulmate, that's a big thing, a soulmate. That's a mate with your soul. And it, it, anybody just can't do that. And in order for that connection to have place, you have to balance that body, soul, and spirit. And and I thought I had everything under control. I thought I was ready. But I realize right now I'm not ready to be with anyone. And I don't read two books. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not ready. Things that I still have to get straight. And so, you know, that's what's been going on with me. And I know a lot of people, they they don't like talking about the mental stuff. But I'm the type of person, you know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to um, be the best-selling author of this or that. I'm here to break the strongholds that's keeping people from reaching their potential in Christ and reaching their potential with that person that God has them to be with. Mm. Well, you know, Libby, you you, you said that, uh, well, tonight's topic is soulmate. Um, We want to go ahead and put that out there. You, You said that you had to move from one place to another place, and I'm sure you and were directed me, to do Yes, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I was. And I, I don't know, Greg, and we had discussed that when I was in Virginia one time. I don't know if I was – I think at one time I was caught between moving to Georgia or New York. And when I say I took a move and I got witnesses, my family will tell you, I packed up my children and I moved to New York with nothing. I packed up my car. I left my mother, I left the house I was living in. Everybody said I was crazy. I left, packed my kids up, and came to New York with nobody here. Nobody. And and to be honest, and this is going to blow everybody's mind, when I came to New York, I checked into a shelter. Nobody don't know that to now, today. A lot of people, five people know that. The Lord already told me what I was going to do. I checked into a shelter. And in that year, I dealt with the dope addicts, the crackheads, the abused women, um, young girls telling me they dead and I beat them up. They can't go to school. Um, in the process, my daughter got in fight. They arrested her. I mean, it was so much, and I'm like, this ain't this ain't the way it's supposed to be. But in the process, God blessed me to make the transition um, to a two bedroom apartment. My rent paid for for two years in New York City. I don't have to worry about anything. He 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 made all of that come true based on a Facebook and I'm telling and I'm telling this to the women out there. A man didn't move me. Nothing only my heavenly father moved me. I only a few people knew what I was going through up here. I I still did what I had to do for the Lord. It did not matter that I was in a shelter. It did not matter that I had to go through what I went through with my daughter. It did not matter that I had to stand with my kids so the streets wouldn't get them. It did not matter um, when I'm up here with nobody. It didn't matter. God said, you pick up your stuff and you go. You have ministry work to do in New York. I had to do that. And I'm telling you, in doing that, he has blessed me to prosper more than I have ever prospered when I was down there by myself. And it was hard for me to understand. It was a hard pill to swallow. I was like, 
how I'm explaining this to people. But I have no shame into it because I want women to know that God will tell you to do some stuff that you may not understand. But if it takes that to get where you have to go in him, for him to get you to that next level, you do it. And all of this to me is molding me into that woman that God prepared for that special man in my life because I look at myself like Ruth and Naomi. When Ruth left, she left everything. She left what she, you know, I'm dealing with this in my book. She left everything to go to a foreign land. She worked the dirt. She worked the grind. She, she took the leftover. She was a foreigner in a strange land. But at the same time, she wanted a foreigner to the Lord. And she did not become a foreigner to Boaz. She stood out from the crowd. So maybe God had me go through all this for me to work in New York field to be noticed. <laughs> Who knows? You know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is you all know that I always say God uses my life to be a testament, I believe, to other people. And I, I don't know, sometimes I don't like being the one to go through it. But when I can say I survived it, most people cannot say they came to New York City and the Lord placed them somewhere where they don't have to worry about paying their rent for two years. And I have a, a balcony in my bedroom. I mean, God has blessed me, and I'm telling you, it can happen. Nobody would never told me that it would have happened in New York City. But I came from Virginia. I came to a place that they say all kinds of crimes are going on. God kept me. i never been hungry. My kids always had clothes on their back, everything. And he always put people on my path to help me get where I have to go. And, and I mean, and it ain't always church people either. He has used the sinner man. He's used the drug man. He has used many people to get me where I am today. And I know a lot of people don't tell me God can't use anybody. He can use anybody. Sometimes when I was distressed, it took a sinner on the street to come talk to me and tell me to keep pushing. You don't belong here. You, you, you got some better. You shouldn't feel this way. So nobody can really tell me much of anything about survival or make me feel bad about things that have transpired in my life when I know that I'm going through this so the next person can get to where they have to go. You know, I'm like Paul. Paul said, I bear the mark of the tree. I bear the mark for the kingdom, and that's what I'm here for. Mm. That's what I'm here for. And if God, I'm not here to impress people. I'm not here to um, just smile and, 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 and act like everything is fun. I'm here to show them that you got to go through the nitty-gritty to be a true soldier. No soldier is, the only time you see a soldier really dressed up as me is when he put on his uniform made him go to a gay affair. But when they out there fighting that war, they are dirty. They are camouflaged. They are dirty. And if you can't get down and dirty for Christ, if you can't get down and dirty and go through the negative and, and then tell people, look, I was shot down to hell. I didn't do everything right, but look where I'm at now. If you cannot stand up and say that, then you need to just move your head from the plow because anybody's going to tell you it's all easy, that's a liar. It's not easy, but it's doable through Christ. It's doable. It's not easy, but it's doable. Mm. Okay. Mm. Y'all know. <laughs> Don't hold back. You know, you know, don't you know how I get up here, but, you know, that's basically yeah. what's been going on. That's basically what's yeah. going on. And I can say that I've had some, um, I've had people here that have really had my back a lot of times. I've had people that had my back. It, I didn't just do it by myself. I had people that had my back. I had people spiritually praying for me because it was times that I was like, I can't do this. I'm ready to lose my mind. And I'll be honest, one time I was so, I felt so bad, I went to a hospital. I went to 
I, I went to the um, hospital here. They sent me to the mental ward. Do you know they made me stay overnight? I had to stay overnight in a mental institution. Here I am in a mental institution with people that are mental, people that um drawing on crayons, and I'm telling them I don't belong here. I'm, nothing's wrong with me. I just, I'm just not feeling right. You know what they, they give you? It's, it's so much that I, I just want to get out there and address about, like I say, once again, about the mental issues. It's a lot of stuff going on. And my heart, I just have a passion for that when I went through that. Here I am, a minister, and I'm in a mental institution. And, and when they admitted me, the only thing I told my kids, I was going to the doctor. I didn't know they were going to put me in a hospital. But um, they put me in the hospital, and my sister had to call all the way from Florida. My family literally had to find out where I was in New York City. And here I was. They had put me in an institution. So I'm telling you, Paul, to my prison, I have been through some stuff. I have been institutionalized. And the only way that I got out, God told me, do not cry at calm. Because I think they can keep you for 72 hours. Right, right. And then they have to release you. So after 24 hours, they got me out. And what stuff. do you and think? I said, okay, what do, what do you think, Livy? What do you think? Why do you think you had to go through that? You know, Greg, I'm gonna tell you too. I I think sometimes I don't know, and I'm still I, I don't know if I need to sit at a prophet seat or something. I'm still trying to find out. Sometimes, God, what do you want me to do? Because to me, and you know my background from sexual being sexually assaulted, abused. I mean, it's just like I got a whole list of stuff. I survived it, and then I tell people about it. I don't know if my life here is going to be a life of going through things like that and telling people you can survive, you can make it, don't let it tear you down, don't let people put a stigma on you. Um, I don't know the answer. I just know that I must go through these things to tell people that God can bring you through. I mean, that's the only thing. The only thing that I can do is do what God tells me to do. And I was reading the Bible today, and it said the only way that I can give back to him is to complete the vows that I made to him. And I, when I gave my life to Christ, he told me, again, your life is going to be an open book, which let me know you don't have that kind of private life. you got the life that people are look at you, people want to criticize you, people are going to judge you. And you have to be like that prophet. You have to have a – God has given me like a, a spirit of – not that he's hard in my heart, but he's put me in a position that I know that people say some bad things about me or negative things, and I have to just let it roll off. That's why I try to motivate people every day, like on Facebook. People are like, how do you get these things? These things are actually coming from my spirit. I feel if I can motivate and push other people – I'm planting seeds, and that seed is going to give a harvest, and it's going to push me. When I'm pushing people, I'm really pushing myself, too, because we all in the body of Christ. I'm pushing people that fear they can't be pushed. I'm pushing people that's ashamed to come out. There's a lot of people in church right now, believe it or not, that's taking antidepressants. They're not going to go and tell their pastor. They're not going to go and um, tell people that I can't sleep at night, um, the devil messing with my mind. Sometimes, and, and let me say this. Some illnesses are spiritual and some are physical. And we know that from the Bible. Some are spirits of infirmity. But the thing is, you need a very seasoned person 
someone with discernment that's not going to quickly try to um, cast a demon out of somebody or make somebody feel they're demon-possessed, and they're not. So maybe people like me have to go through these things, and if, if I want to tell people these things, they want to look at me and know that. When people look at my websites and, and, and they look at the things that God has blessed me to do, it's just like, oh, she got the gas But they don't know. I have to pray every day. And my sister says she uh, pray for my healing. When you, I have to fight the press. I have to fight myself not to stay in bed for two days. I have to fight myself to talk to people on the phone. I got some people, and I got to give props to Pastor Don Houston. He, uh, he's one of the pastors up here. Some people were nagging me. I, I, could, I could not say nothing to them, but they would stay on me. How you doing? They would, You know, because I have a, sometimes I want to shut people off because sometimes I give so much out, but I don't let people come in and, and pour nothing into me. You know what I mean? I, I stay in my little closet, especially I'm in a city that nobody really know me, so it's easy for me just to shut myself off from everybody. You know what I mean? Because I really don't have a, a full leadership that I have to be accountable to. And that's not good either. That's another thing I want to tell people. Stay tied to spiritual people that have your best interests at heart. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this by ourselves. Just like in my book, um, Going Back to Relationships, um, I realized, too, that we have to even be tied to people that are, have wisdom in marriage. Like, I say, stay tied to your spiritual Naomi. There's people out there that's going to guide us how to be that woman of God that a man can present himself to, how to carry yourself as a woman, how to act when you're out there. You know, how to, I mean, it's so many things that um, even being connected to the right people. But if the enemy can have me cut off from people, he knows that um, the biggest job he has is being done because if I cut myself off, I'm not out there to give what I have to give. So I, too, have my battles that I fight. And I think, Greg, like, I go through these things to come out and just go public and say, okay, this is what I just went through. But you can do it, too, because, I mean, I can't think of no other reason why I would go through these types of things. Right, right. You know, it's just in the last, what, 15, 20 minutes, you've been through about half of a year of your life. Uh-huh, right. You know, and it's amazing because I can say for myself that I don't know if I could have gone through that much stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. What, what kept you from just literally staying in that psych ward? I'm going to tell you, and I cannot stand here and say, that it was time period when I did not feel like praying that. Praying Christians, when they say the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man of that much, the righteous prayed for me. It was times that I had to call people and say, if you don't pray for me, I'm going to lose my mind. If you don't pray for me, I can't take it. I had people praying for me, but at the same time, I mean, at the same time, when David said I would have fainted, if I had not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to tell you, Brad, sometimes it gets so hard, you literally feel like you're going to pass out. But that spirit, when the spirit lets you know, you are here. He is in you. You can do this. And it's just like right at 11.59, that knock comes and the breakthrough comes. And 
I kept remembering, okay, last time I went through, it can't, but it's, it's, it's not easy, it's hard, but you got to look at, I'm in this to the end. He that endures to the end shall be saved. And I kept telling him, I got to endure this. I got to see what the end is going to be. I got to see what the end is going to be. Just believing that God is faithful, that he is just, and that he will not put more on me than I can bear, kept me going. I looked at my children. I looked at their future. I knew I'm telling them about God. I'm telling them that I'm telling my children when we get in this car, the Lord said we need to do this. When you tell your children the Lord said do this, and you say God don't change, when do you go and tell them, okay, we can't do this? How can you do that? How can you tell your children we serve a God, he's going to take care of us, and then go and give up? So I had to keep pressing because I had to show that God is faithful to his word. I had to keep telling myself that. And when I didn't feel like it, Somebody else had to tell me that. When I felt like I was giving up, somebody else had to tell me that. I mean, I had to fight the New York social service system. I had to fight housing system. God did not tell me all of this when I was sitting in Virginia living nice on that nice suburban street. He didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me my car would get broken. So he didn't tell me that my car would get broken down the bridge. He didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me that my daughter would get jumped by a gang. He didn't tell me that in defending herself, she too got arrested. He didn't tell me that. He didn't tell me that the devil was going to try to pull my son out to the street to get the girl and just try to pull him in. He didn't tell me these things because if he would have told me, I probably wouldn't have came. But see, we got to walk by faith and not sight. And walking by faith and not sight does not mean that everything is going to be good because it's, the servant is not greater than the master. So if G- I have not went through nothing that Jesus went through. I have not been nailed to nothing. I have not been stripped. I have not been beat and, and stripped down. So what is this? When the Bible says my best righteousness is that silky rag, I haven't been through anything. So why why not go through this? And I had to keep telling myself, I have not been through anything. Because this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of my ministry. This is just the beginning. I had to come to a place like this to show people that a country girl can go straight into the heart of wonders. Christ. 
Because first of all, you're not even going to know who you are. You're not even going to know what type of person you're supposed to be with because every Christian woman is not going to be with the same type of Christian man. So when you say soulmate, people are in love with the idea of the marriage, a nice husband. They have no relationship with Christ. And if that relationship with Christ is not stabilized, and if he don't know that he's your first love, it's not going to happen. And in, in my book, the thing that took Ruth to her place to be found by Boaz, she won't go to Bethlehem to look for a man. She was mourning because she had just lost her husband. She was the love for her mother. I believe her love for God and just knew because, you know, she was a heathen. She was in Moab. When she turned her ways around, her love for God and, and, and just her working out there, her love, her passion, her diligence is what drew that form. And to say, you know, she told me, Boaz, you see that woman over there? She works even during her break. See, somebody is watching the work that women are doing for the Lord because a true man of God is going to want to know what you're doing for God because your work for God is going to reflect what you're going to do for your husband. If you're not faithful to God, you're not going to be faithful to a man. Mm. You, you can just hang it up. If you can't get up and pray and praise God, you're not going to honor your husband. Well, he might have said something to pluck your last nerves. You're going to blah, 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 blah. That's all you're going to do. If you don't know how to please God, how do you know how to please a man? Well, he's the one that created that one that he's bringing to you. So that's why God don't bring men and women together because they're not ready. They're not ready to give of themselves in that one-on relationship with him. So he can say, this is who you are. This is what you made of. This is what your spiritual call is. This is what you have to be. you got some people that have a spiritual anointing in their life, and they get connected with somebody that ain't nowhere near that, and that is disaster in a marriage. That marriage could be destroyed. All marriage is not destroyed because of sex and money. Seriously, um, in tune with each other, they're not spiritually connected. you got people that are pastor, but they don't have a spirit of humbleness. How can you not be humble when you're in a church with women all around your husband and he's a pastor? What kind of spirit of nature you got to have? Some people are not cultivated to be a first lady, but they want to go marry a prophet. They want to go marry a priest, and it's not happening. So that's why a lot of people walk around here single. Mm. And you know, I'm just keeping it real. And that is real. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was just thinking, there's something that Greg used to say, and uh, I'm just going to put a little spin on what he used to say, but I I was thinking while you were talking, and, I, and this thing that came to my mind was, when you become a good student, the teacher will appear. And that's the same thing about when you become that wife to God, when you become that humble spirit, that, that meek spirit, that servant to the Lord, he'll send his physical representation of himself to you. But if you raise and you know what, that's exactly what he's going to allow to come to you. Because right. you attract what you put out. That's right. That's right. And you know what Brian said is that exactly what I tell people. He's going to send you his representation. That's the thing. He's going to send you his representation. And whatever, like you said, whatever you put out, and, and people wonder why I keep getting this junk, why I'm keeping getting this or that. What do you have around you? See, this is not just natural. It's spiritual, too. And people don't understand. You, you have spiritual things around you, too. So my thing is, if let me tell you, if I'm carrying myself in a manner 
the devil don't even go there because you don't you want to have people to come and try you and run that. But when they, it, it's just like when you look in a jewelry store and you and you see that diamond. Some people know don't even try to do that. Don't even ask the price on that because you are not even on the lead to even step this way. You know. You can't afford it. But some things where we compromise and, and we feel that we have to settle because I'm at that age, I want to have kids. I tell people, hey, no, Sarah was 99 years old. And I don't say nobody around here 99 years old yet. So you got up to 99 years old to pop a baby out. So you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so don't worry about your age or whatever. <laughs> God can do anything. You know, we worry about our age. I can't have kids. Um, I, I have to get this. I have to get this. Get that relationship with him. And the thing is, it's not that he requires so much of us. He just wants to know that we trust in him. Because I'm telling you, I've been through two marriages. And you best believe I won't step nowhere until God let me know, okay, Libby, you ready. Like I said, right now, it's a lot of things in me that I, I just know I still have to work on. And I have written two books. I, I really, and the thing is, it don't matter about writing books because if a book is not written through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to pick it up anyway. Because you don't want to read Olivia Steph's opinion. You want to read what thus says the Lord. That's why when I write my books, I get stripped of references. Um, the Spirit may give me revelation on something, but you best believe if I write something down, it's because the Lord has led me to write it that way. Um, I, I don't believe in these my opinion type things. This is, this is what God says, and I can truly say that when you do that, you can start seeing people's lives change through the words and the gifts that God has given you. But, you know, what you said, you want that representation of Christ in that man. And that's what he's going to present to you. Yes, Amen. Yes, I'll tell you what. But, Livy, what about the brother out there that want a wife? Because, believe it or not, there's a lot of men out there that want to be married just as much as a, a woman wants to be married. But a lot of people don't believe that. I, I think that it, people have it twisted, uh, you know, for a better sake of words, people have it twisted. Yeah. A man wants a, a beautiful, you know, a beautiful wife, not so much uh, physical, but a beautiful wife, a God-fearing wife, a woman that that's going to love him for him, you know, that type of thing. He, you, know, they, you know, they're looking for their Eve as well. It's just that woman looking for her eyes. Right. But, what, what, what are the good traits? If it, it, we have men, men listening right now, what are some of the good things that a man should be looking for in a woman? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I'm gonna tell you, each man is different. Greg. Each man is different. You got some men. Um, you got some men that's looking for. Um, a wife that stays home. Um, everybody just got different things they're looking for. But I mean, and and the same thing as for women. All I can say is we all have an idea of the type of person that we are drawn to. And trust me, God let us. I mean, you can. I'm not gonna sit and say, oh, you're gonna get somebody you're not attracted to or whatever. I would tell that man to actually. I mean, and it's the same thing for a woman. You got to kind of look for. First of all, like I said, when you find and get that relationship with God, the path that God is taking you on, you're gonna to have to find somebody that's able to walk that with you. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you want somebody that's dedicated. You want somebody that got the same interests as you. You want somebody um, 
spiritually that you can connect with. You want somebody naturally. You want somebody you can have fun with. You want somebody. I mean, it's, it's sort of like the same thing, but everybody just have a, a deviate a little here and there, difference in, in certain things. Like, for example, I was telling somebody, um, I want a man that know how to iron. I hate ironing. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that <laughs> a good woman is so many different things, but it just depends on actually what that particular man wants. I think the basic thing, we all want a person, somebody, um, daddy, uh, gets along with that. But that answer is the individual answer. I think that uh, one thing that men should do is to take time. And I'm going to tell you, they really need to actually take time and learn. I, I think men need to learn more about the role of actually what it takes to be a husband. I don't... See that a lot, see a lot of things for women, but I really want to see more of a room of these men into being godly husbands, and then um, not being afraid to approach. A lot of times, men see women that are anointed and women that are out there doing, and they kind of get intimidated and don't really feel that you know they can approach that woman. I think a lot of men are, are really, believe it or not, afraid to approach the type of woman they really looking for because. I don't know if they see a rejection or what, but I see that a lot. It's a lot of good sisters out there that have it together that, to me, are marriage material, but the men are afraid to approach her. So, I mean, maybe you can tell me. I don't know why the men are afraid to really approach them. And I'm talking about the women that's out there doing I don't know what they feel. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, I... I don't know. I, I think a lot of times when men see women that are successful, and I'm not talking about those 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 little boys that just chase any old women, you know, but I'm talking about men. When they see women that are successful, that are doing what they're supposed to do, I think that many times they may approach them, you know, but I know in in my experiences before I got married, when I would approach successful women, they wouldn't want to talk to me. Because they wanted somebody more successful than them, you know. It well, was sort of, and, and, it, and it became not necessarily an intimidation type thing. It was a, it was a sort of a, okay, I already see where this is going, so I'm not going to waste my time with with these quote unquote bougie women, you know. Because right. when I've when I've tried to do the the right gentleman type thing and approach them. You know, and I'm just speaking in general. I didn't do this, but, you know, in general, you know, when they see those women that are successful and they've been rejected in the past, you know, it ain't, ain't no fun thing to be rejected. Right, right. You know, and so many of those men say, well, you know what, I'll just I'll just find me a nice, good, down-home woman that, you know, is not going to tell me how much money she makes. You know, right. Who's not going to throw that up in my face that she's got a Ph.D. and I got a GED, you know. She's not going to throw it up in my face that I didn't work hard as she did to make ends meet and to get where she's gotten, you know. And so a lot of times these men aren't so apt to go after those successful women. And those successful women sort of succeed to, you know, they, they make themselves so so successful that they put themselves out of the league of good men or of men that are genuine. Well, 
for giving me the opportunity to read your book, and I'm proud of you, too. And God bless you. I hope your journey goes well. Uh, that's one of my friends. That, you know, I say I got a, a family that kind of doctored me. She is, I mean, oh, I'm just, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm so good luck on your journey, and I will spread the word for you yes. and help other sisters that's young like me to read your book and to get them oh. to understand where you're coming from. Oh, thank you, girl. I love you. <laughs> love you too, hon. Bye, Brian. Bye, 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 Greg. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so oh. much for calling in. Sometimes you need to hear that, you know. You, you, you know what? That's, you know what? That's what I love. You, you see what she said? She said, I, I, I don't go to church or whatever, but I feel close to God. That is what it's about. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. That's what it's about. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is the whole purpose of everything. You know, I, I, you know I'm just... Uh, Okay. Well, we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the next caller. All right, next right. caller from the five zero eight area code. Caller, you're on live. Five zero eight. All right, maybe they're just listening in, and that's just fine. Next caller from the Skype line. You're on live. Yeah. Hi. Is this Richard on? Hi. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, look, I, I really appreciate the conversation you guys are having, and I want to get right to it regarding um, uh, the women and the guys not approaching them. Well, you know, things have changed, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with a woman sharing some of that responsibility. In fact, it is much better if a woman does do the approaching because that way, a man knows that there is the uh, there is some interest, and it's it's really a game that women play. It's a power game, where they sit back and demand that men approach them. Now, I was looking frantically for the verse in Deuteronomy. I know women like to uh, say, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing," and two things I offer to. Uh, kind of put that in perspective. Number one, if you look in the book of Ruth, Ruth did the approaching of Boaz. There's no way to confuse that. She initiated the contact with Boaz. Now, moreover, uh, all of those women that the men did the approaching to in the Old Testament, they were virgins, and there was even a specific test for a virgin. So I think for women today to attempt to claim that, like I say, it's mo- it is it is a game, it's a power game, and uh, they, they're attempting to exercise control over a man more so than anything else because in my experience I have found that a lot of women, most women, have not learned how to be a good mate, and therefore they are as much in need of learning how to be a good mate as a man, sometimes more. But I don't want to say too much and get too far uh, along with it. But I, I, I think I wrote the seven principles to love, sex, and dating, and there's seven results. And I find that this initiating and paying are absolute deal breakers for relationships, particularly between black men and black women. And another, just one other thing I would caution women on, he is a man, but he's not your man. So you have no right to be making these demands upon him. And a man's money is just like your body. He used his body, if he got the money honestly, to get the money. 
So a woman should not feel entitled to a man's body, I mean a man's money. So when men and women can come together and talk about these issues and be fair-minded, they can really, really be more godly and get along a whole lot better than they ever will otherwise. Now, what do you think about that? Yeah, thank you so much, Carla. Thank you. Uh, And Livy, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I I totally agree that um, it's no set law that women cannot approach a man first. Um, I, I disagree that it's a power control game. I, I don't think all women play power control game um, because it's nothing wrong with a woman, you know, taking initiative. And we know about he who find a wife find a good thing. It's basically saying after the man have his wife, you know, Greg, because we went through that before and everything. I do disagree also that, as far as uh, Ruth making the initial contact with Boaz first, I kind of disagree with that. Uh, maybe at the threshing floor when she uncovered his foot, if that's what it called the initial contact. But he noticed her first, and he approached He approached her. I'm not saying he In fact, he didn't approach her as to approach her as, okay, you my wife, because once again, it's a process. But I'm trying to say um, in that particular subject, when he approached her, it wasn't, I'm approaching her looking for a wife. He was doing what I said. He was getting to know her. He was inquiring of her. He inquired of the foreman, um, who was she? And that started the conversation with them. He started taking her with him to eat at the dining table. Um, and it was a process. And then that's when, when she found out who he was. Um, even then, she didn't make a move. So it's, it's, it's a long, I'm not going to get all the way into the roof of Boaz. I don't think it's a uh, control thing. If anybody plays games to me, it's not ready for marriage. I'm saying that it's okay for a woman to approach a man, but eventually to me, I feel that man is going to take that lead in that leadership role. I feel that quality that's in that man is going to be shown before you make that vow. You're not going to discover who that man is. Everything going to be new time. You say, I do something, you better make sure he got before you say, I do. And it don't necessarily mean... Um, you got to know how much is in his bank account. But I don't see nothing wrong with him inquiring about, you know, I, you know if, if a man want to know financially, are you able to stand up or, or if you can do this or do that, it's fine. But when you get into actually um, wanting to know, knocking somebody down because of income and stuff like that, truly I agree. But I don't see nothing wrong with making sure that before you take that vow with someone, that they are uh, secure enough to be able to take care of their responsibility. And it can go both ways. It's not just the man can do the same thing with the woman. You know, it ain't got to be just the, the, uh, a one-way street. So I don't want to try to make it look like it's, it's just a one-way thing that the woman got to hide everything in order for herself. It's a two-way street, too, but it's a process. But I do believe that the man is, to me, the higher person in the marriage, and I believe that he should be, uh, able to display that he's able to take that position. Right. Awesome. Brian, we have another call. Libby, we have another caller we're going to try to get in. Okay. And, and that caller, the, the caller with the Skype, please hold on. We, I, I, I think um, um, if you're an author, we definitely want to get your information. But, Brian, go ahead. Okay. Caller from the 318 area code. You're on live. Caller with the 318. I think they were just listening. Uh, they're just listening, and that's fine. 
All right. Um, you know, Greg, this has been a wonderful show. I I tell you, we got so much good information and callers. We appreciate what you've given us tonight. Um, if you have any other questions, comments, feel free to email us. Uh, Greg, give your email address real quick. Uh, you can email me at gturner at the eighth foundation. I'll spell that gturner at t h e a s e foundation.org. All right, and you can also email me at info at mindalteringstrategies.com. That's info at mindalteringstrategies.com. You can also find us on Facebook. But, Greg, you know, I I think, well, you know, we talked about uh, earlier, we got into relationships, of course, but, you know, I, I want to go back a little bit. We only have about uh, about maybe seven, eight minutes left in the show. Libby, I want to go back to where you were in your season of what I call renewal. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when people are going through a season, so to speak, you know, they never really have anybody that they can talk to, that they can relate to, that they can tell about what they're going through. Who was that person for you? It was my sisters. My sisters, um, Erica Davis and Vicky Lowe. Um, I was, if it wasn't for them, I mean, some things I couldn't even tell my mother. You know, some things you don't call home and tell your mama. Right. Um, my sisters, I, um, I have a pastor friend, Pastor Jennifer Pickett, um, also Minister Salim Ali. They were the four foundations that, I don't care what I did, I called them, look, this is what I just did. I need you to pray me through this. I need you to pray for this. And my sister, definitely, my sister called me every day. I, if I told her I was doing well, as you know, but she was there. I tell people, find that one person that you can connect to that's going to tell you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. Find that person that can get a prayer through. Find that person that's not going to judge you for what you're going through, but's going to, but going to pray you through what you're going through. I was going through stuff, and Selene was like, I'm not looking at what you did. I'm looking at who I know God is making you into. Mm. That's what, you know, so it was, I had about four people that pushed, prayed, and I cried, and, oh, it was, it was, they was there. They was there. Mm. And that's who I would call on. You know, I had a family here, the Reeds, they, I, I could say they kind of adopted me. They, you know, if I if I need somebody to talk to, if I need somewhere to go, you know, it, it, I have I have friends here, but as far as actually going deeper to telling my deep roots, so I had my sisters, my sisters, my my natural sisters, and then yeah. my spiritual sister, Jennifer Pickett, Pastor Jennifer Pickett. They um they was right there with me through it all. I mean. Because I couldn't tell everybody everything. I couldn't tell people. These people think I was crazy, what I was going through. But um, it was there. And when God do this changing in your life and, and, and the pruning, it's not, it don't feel good. And you go through confusion. Why are you doing this to me? Why? You know, why? Why? And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, for refining me. Thank you, Lord, for putting me through the fire. You know, it was, it was rough. I'm like, I don't need this. You know, I don't need this. I don't need to go through this. It was, it was tough. That's, it, you know, I, I went through those days. But I, I had, I, I made it through. 
And I still got probably plenty more of those days coming. Because, you know, it's, we constantly growing. We, we, we constantly growing. We constantly being refined. We going to new levels and new things. So it's, it's, it's a process constantly till we make it in. And it's a learning process. Sometimes you have to go through that for him to get you where he wants you to be, and um, it, it's all for preparation and it's all for his glory. Um, Livy, um, let me. I want to offer. I'm sorry. It. I want to offer a free book to um, the first person, Greg or Brian, that emails you and tell you how they felt about the show. Get, get their information, and I want to send them a free book. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. That's a blessing for them. And also mm-hmm. to the to the gentleman that that called in from the Skype, um, email Brian or myself, and uh, we we definitely would like to uh, talk with you. Uh, yeah, and we want to hear a, a little bit more yeah. about those seven things you talked about. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah. I think that would definitely, you know, help some people out there. You know, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we want to talk. Well, there's a lot have... of people out there agree to play games, and they need to just stop that period. That that's that's. <laughs> That's, to, to me, that's not even Christ right? Playing anything, playing games. God, you always supposed to keep it real. That's right. You know, don't play games Libby, with feelings and emotions. Livy, we have about two minutes left into the show. If you would, please give out your contact information and and everybody. Please know that Livy is available for speaking engagements and she will travel. But please, Livy, go ahead and give your information out. We have about two minutes. Okay, my website is trimanaproductions.com, T-R-I-M-A-N-N-A, productions.com. My email is odsteph, S-T-I-T-H, at AOL.com. On Facebook, I'm Olivia Davis Steph. Um, and Sunday, I will be doing a book signing and a book show at Living Water Family Worship Center. In Bronx, New York, and email me because I know I know Pastor Don is like pulling his hair out because I completely forgot the actual address. But uh, it's, oh, it's, I'm gonna have it with Greg, Greg and Brian gonna have the information. The street name is on the oh, it's Washington Avenue. I'm sorry. What's right, the name of that church again? It's Living Water Family Worship Center with Pastor Don Houston. Um, and if they want to actually know the full address, I can say, I know it's on Washington Avenue. I want to say 1069, don't quote me. It's on Washington Avenue in Bronx, New York, and I'm going to be doing a book presentation and a book signing there. And they can email you all, and I can forward them the information if they're interested in the comments. Okay. And they can purchase the book on uh, my website at trimanaproductions.com. And thank everybody for the support, all my readers, all the Facebook. Um, comments and, and letters. I really appreciate everything. I, I, the love and support, I really appreciate. And you know I appreciate you all. <laughs> yes, and you know we love you too. Hey. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and we always have a ball. And and I'll tell you, listeners, if you could hear us before the show starts. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I plead the <laughs> Well, we thank you for coming on the show. You are always a wonderful blessing for us. It's always that fun. You don't have to come back again. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Yes, ma'am. You're always welcome. And with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we ask that you hit us up on Facebook, MySpace, 
every social network that you can find us. That's why I'm reading 